Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, it's the post-game podcast from the Timberwolves season opening loss to the Toronto Raptors. We'll talk about what went well, what went terribly, and why this game was kind of flipped on its head a bit in some respects. We'll talk about why it's not actually the the worst. You know, there, there are some positives to take away from this. I guess that's the best way to put it. We'll also talk individual studs and duds. It's all coming on the post-game podcast. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Happy Thursday, everybody. And uh, a not so happy Thursday. This is the postgame pod. Of course, the Wolves lost the Raptors on Wednesday night. Going to break down everything that happened, the good, the bad, frankly, the ugly. And uh, we'll talk individual studs and duds here on the postgame pod as we will for all 82 games, and hopefully many more than that as we get into the, the uh, well, hopefully no play in the playoffs and beyond this year. First of all, though, a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon at Fire TV. And you can follow on X at Beacon and also the show account, which is at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. All right. So if you're not familiar with the post game pod, what I'll do is I'll talk either some game flow stuff if it's a good close game uh, first, or we'll just get right into some takeaways. Today, I'm going to basically do that. And then we'll close with individual studs and duds. I'll talk about some individual player performances who played best and worst for the Wolves. I'm going to quick hit a game flow, but then I'm going to go right into, I really just kind of broke this up into the good and the bad. Um, and part of the bad is also ugly, as we'll find out here. Um, the game started. Well, let me let me put it this way: on the show on Wednesday, I closed with the Wolves. It was a big prediction show. At the end of the show, I did a Wolves Raptors preview, and one of my main things was, hey, especially with the Jade McDaniel's, the Raptors are one of the few like really long athletic teams that can rival the Wolves' length and athleticism, and with no Jade McDaniel's actually be longer and more athletic and more disruptive defensively than the Wolves even could be, uh, depending on what what sort of lineups they're running out there. And so I was worried about the Wolves taking care of the basketball because turnovers at times last year were a major issues. At times they weren't. But in general, especially early in the season, this team needed to take care of the ball against this Raptors team. They needed to rebound the basketball extremely well. Uh, those were kind of my two key things. Sure enough, this game starts with the Raptors getting three shots on their first possession. They got two offensive rebounds and it finished with a three ball. And the Raptors ended up going up like six, nothing before the wolves scored the wolves first possession. They had a sloppy turnover. Um, it was exactly what I said. The wolves couldn't do now. Ultimately they rebounded the ball extremely well in this game. We'll talk more about that later. Um, but early in this game, Anthony Edwards took control. He saved the wolves. He scored like their first six or eight points, something like that. Then when he left, uh, took a break on the bench Cat came in, or Cat stayed in. Well, I guess he left for like two minutes and came back. And then the offense, they actually ran a bunch of sets where Cat was the focal point. And I've said this before, um, you know, a few weeks ago in one of my many uh, kind of like, hey, here's how you could fix the offense 
discussions I had on the show over the, over the offseason, one of my ideas was when the starting lineups on the floor do a lot more Aunt Rudy stuff and allow Conley and Towns to effectively space the floor. And, and when McDaniels is playing, he's more of a, a spot up slash cutter type guy. And then when Ant's off the floor, run your offense through Carl Anthony Towns. Like Towns can play the glorified Bogdanovich role with Ant on the floor. And I'm okay with that. I know that it's selling short Cat's offensive ability a little bit. But by the way, Bogdanovich made a living in Utah doing, you know, playing in that role. But then when Ant leaves, when Ant's taking a break for those eight, 10 minutes a game, he's not on the floor. Cat must be on the floor and the offense must run through him every single time down the floor. The Wolves immediately ran a post up. I believe it was, um, I think it was, Ananobi, who was actually, it might have been, Sa- it was probably Siakam that was guarding Towns. Towns just beat him one-on-one in the post with no help. Um, and then, like, two possessions later, same deal. He scores in the post easily. And then he gets the ball in the post, kicks it out for an easy three-pointer. Um, a couple of nice high-low passes from Cat to Rudy. When Ant was off the floor, the Wolves actually ran real sets, and they got Towns involved in advantageous spots on the floor. And the offense was much less ISO ball centric, or to borrow a Chris Finch term that Mike Conley used in his post game press conference, post game interview as well, the ball wasn't as sticky in those moments when the offense was running through Cat and Ant was not on the floor. I'm not laying this all to feed of Anthony Edwards, but he obviously was the prime culprit in this game. Ant kept the Wolves in it early, but then as the game went on, and, and actually I'm going to see if I can find real quick the, the quote that Mike Conley had. Um, yeah, here we go. Mike Conley, as transcribed by John Krasinski at The Athletic, said after the game, Conley said, quote, I think we had a little bit of early success with the ball being sticky. Guys were making some tough shots on our team, and it was working early. As the game goes on, we can't rely on it. We can't rely on that style of basketball. Now, it wasn't only Ant. Uh, Shake Milton was a culprit as well, especially in the first half. But uh, Ant was was the, the primary issue here, right? Like, he got in his head that he needed to score a billion points to to allow his team to win. And what ends up happening, he ends up scoring 26 on 27 shots, less than a point per field goal attempt. That is not what we would call efficient. And by the way, of those 27 shots, seven were threes. That means he attempted 22 point shots. And I haven't pulled up how many were non-paint twos yet, um, but actually not that many. It wasn't like he was mid-range jumpy, jumpering uh the offense to death. It was just, just generally high usage and he wasn't getting all the way to the basket um, very often. And in the first half, I believe the Wolves had 18 or 19 free throw attempts just in the first half and they finished with 22 and I should have pulled that exact number, but they basically didn't get to the line in the second half of this game. And after a really foul, heavy first half, neither team really committed that many fouls in the second half. Um, And I, I didn't really necessarily feel like the officiating was poor necessarily. I thought they really did let them play on both ends. It wasn't certainly not lopsided or anything like that. The Wolves actually shot six more free throws than Toronto. Uh, but Anton gets to the line quite enough. For those 27 field goal attempts, he's got to have more than six free throw attempts. And in this game, I'm not blaming the officiating for that. So as much as the game started with a lot of Ant dominance on offense, that turned into only Ant on offense. And then even those minutes in the second half when Ant, second half when Ant took a break, start of the fourth quarter, the Wolves offense could not get going. Any minutes with no cat and no Ant on the floor were really bad minutes for the Wolves offense. It was just kind of passing the ball around, everyone looking at each other, no movement. But then when Catter Ant was on the floor, the ball became sticky. It moved more with them off the floor, but there just wasn't anybody that was able to create a shot. The offense wasn't able to create a shot for anybody. Um, I, I wanted, you know, like 
not necessarily his fault. I wanted Nas to get a little bit more involved in his 24 minutes. He got eight shots up, scored 10 points at four rebounds. Um, he missed an open three from the corner. There were a couple of possessions there where the Wolves uh, just missed open shots. And we'll talk more about that. The The biggest thing for me from this game uh, was that the both Cat and Ant felt, it seemed like they were kind of frenetic, right? Like they both thought they needed to do everything. Somehow they both thought that. And even still, they only lost by three points. And I felt like there were, I don't know, a dozen, 15 shots that literally went in and out. And I, I like, that's very anecdotal, but it really felt like the Bulls had a lot of shots going in and out in this game. Some bad luck there. They missed some open shots in the first half, especially Toronto hit some really tough shots. Um, and ultimately, you look at the box score. This is a Toronto team. It's not the exact same team, but it's a lot of the same guys. Last year, Toronto was 28th in the league in three-point percentage, and they were 25th in three-point rate. Toronto in this game shot 40% from outside the arc and made six more threes than the Wolves. And the Wolves out-rebounded Toronto by 15 rebounds. This was completely flipped on its head from what I would have expected. Again, not identical rosters, but you're talking what? Seven of the top nine guys or six of the top eight guys, something like that on each team were on their respective teams at the end of last season. So very largely the same rosters. All the key players are the same. You know, swap in Schroeder for Van Vliet with the Raptors, and that's basically the the only major change. And the Raptors go out and make six more threes, shoot 40% from three. The Wolves shoot 26%, but the Wolves win the battle on the glass. The Raptors got two of their eight offensive rebounds on their very first possession. The Wolves actually did a really good job on the glass. We'll talk more about that here in a minute when I get when I get to the good from the game. But this was just bizarre, right? In no way did the Wolves play well, and that's not at all what I'm saying. But they did enough on the glass. They were tough enough defensively. And even though Toronto shot, you know, 40% from three, I thought the Wolves actually were pretty good overall on defense. We'll talk about transition defense later. That's a bit of a different story. And Ant was good enough at times and Cat was good enough at times that this thing was one or two made shots. I guess literally it would be two made shots away from being a Wolves victory despite shooting 26% from three and 34% from the field. So this was like, you're going to win a couple games like this. You're going to lose a couple games like this. If you would have told me before the game that Toronto makes six more threes than the Wolves and the Wolves are a plus 15 on the glass, I would have told you, you have that backwards. It's going to be the other way around. Um, And I would have believed either result, right? Like, one possession win win or loss that wouldn't have shocked me. Um, It's just the way that it happened was a bit surprising. I want to talk about, we'll call it four good things and then two more bad things. uh, And then we'll get into individual studs and duds here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at Ibotta. Hey, how does free Thanksgiving sound? We're only a month away from Thanksgiving. This year, Ibotta is here to give you cash back and help make sure that your Thanksgiving table is complete. Because who wants turkey without the gravy? Starting November 1st, that's just a few days from now, actually a week from yesterday, for the fourth year in a row, Ibotta is giving 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving feast. Just add the offers in the app, again, the Ibotta app, I-B-O-T-T-A, to redeem for everything you need to make your Thanksgiving feast complete. All you have to do is shop at your favorite retailers and upload your receipt. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can also earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too. 
When you start with Ibotta, that includes Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Download the Ibotta app now and use the code LOCKED to get 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving dinner starting November 1st. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED. Today's episode of Locked Out Wolves is also brought to us by our friends, our title sponsors over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's the most fun that I've ever had playing daily fantasy. You can win up to 25 times your money this football season. Um, it, it's Absolutely a possibility over at Prize Picks. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. One of the things I love is the cross sport matchups. You can cross this time of year football and basketball. So check out the Hyundai, the Sunday hoop slate and pick. I don't know if the Wolves play this Sunday. I don't think they do, but you know, pick if Wemby's playing, say Wemby over, you know, seven rebounds or whatever, over eight rebounds, whatever the number is, and Lamar Jackson throws for two or more touchdowns. You can cross sports, or you could just stick with football and say, hey, Jordan Addison, 50 or more yards receiving, Lamar, two or more touchdowns thrown, uh, you know, two different football games. You can do it either way. Plus now, they offer Apple Pay over at Prize Picks for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. Also brand new, the Prize Picks reboot policy. Your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For NFL games and college football top 25 matchups, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform that has injury insurance. Go to prizepicks.com slash NBA and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. A big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, every day is tomorrow on Friday. We'll preview Saturday's game. The Wolves have Jimmy Butler and the Heat coming to town. Miami won a one-point ugly game on Wednesday. Um, I didn't watch it. I was watching the Wolves game, but... I'm assuming it was ugly based on the score and the fact that they only won by one, um, given their opponent. Who did they play? It was somebody that wasn't good. Oh, Detroit. They beat the Pistons by a single point. So we'll dig into that. I'll talk about what happened in the in the Miami first game. Um, and also, there's a chance they play Friday as well. Uh, so we'll talk about where Miami's at headed into Saturday. We'll take a peek ahead at the upcoming games as well. So we'll do all that on Friday's show. All right, continuing on the postgame pod from Wolves Raptors on Wednesday. Let's talk about some good stuff before I, I hit a couple of quick... Well, actually, no. Let's just do the bad. Get it out of the way, and then we'll get to all the good. I already talked about shot selection, and not just shot selection, but just overall decision-making by the Wolves on offense. I mean, it was pretty atrocious. I was surprised they only had 14 turnovers in this game. It felt like a lot more. There were a couple of like forced high-low passes uh, from Cat. There was the last possession of the game. I didn't even really talk about game flow because it was just so there really wasn't a flow to this game but the Wolves got to within three with 30 seconds left and Cat in the open floor was really kind of a, a broken floor situation tried to force something of an entry pass Rudy it wasn't Rudy wasn't actually rim running it was like he was trying to post up in the mid post which you would never do with Rudy anyway Cat tried to force it in um, it wasn't truly in transition but it was like a, almost like a secondary break broken floor action where Conley dropped it off he like shoveled it to Towns 
And I think expected Towns to shoot a three. The Raptors did a really good job closing out, and Cat tried to rifle a pass into Rudy. There was no need to go that fast, right? It was a one possession game at that point. Like, just take your time, uh, make sure that you that you sc- actually. I think it was a four point game at that point, not three. Take your time and make sure you get a shot off. Uh, not all the time in the world, but definitely don't turn it over in the open floor like what happened. And Cat wasn't the only one, but that was the worst play. He also had the most turnovers of anyone on the Wolves. He had four. Nobody else had more than two. Uh, so that was um, that was rough. Decision-making in general, Ant only had one assist in this game. He did have two turnovers as well, and there just wasn't flow in the offense. The shot selection for Ant particularly was not good, but he wasn't the only one. Um, I mentioned earlier, Shake Milton got really sticky, just pounding the rock into the floor in the first half in his stint. Shake was much better in the second half, but first half was not good for him. Um, and uh, just... No, no flow. I don't, I don't really know how else to say that. And uh, transition defense is the other thing that was brutal in this game. Fast break points were not in the Wolves' favor. I'm going to pull up the exact number here, uh, but it was, uh, let's see. Fast break points, 34 to 12, Toronto won. And at one point it was like 20 to four or something like that. And the Wolves at least got a few themselves towards the end of the game. But 34 to 12, no matter how you slice it, that's not a good margin. Um, transition defense again, it's like, the, the defensive rebounding, yeah, that was great. That was very unlike what we saw from the Wolves last year and, frankly, also two years ago. Transition defense looked exactly the same. Guys not getting back. Guys kind of half-heartedly getting back. Kind of getting back and then trying to take a charge because they didn't get all the way back and they're just trying to kind of you know show that they were sort of there defensively. Um, like, transition defense, I just, I don't know, man. It's, it's two things. It's playing hard, hustle, right? And it's high school level, probably middle school level, like, hey, match up in the open floor. Someone's got to stop ball, right? It's pick up basketball. Stop the ball. Everybody else, find somebody to guard. I don't care if you get cross match, if you end up with a little on a big, you, you know, you, I mean, nobody's posting, even nobody's even posting up mismatches these days. You can switch out of it. Like, just get back. That's imperative, right? And this team still has not been able to figure it out. That was the other thing that killed me in this game. And uh, really, to me, was actually the biggest difference. I know the Wolves' offense was horrible, but let's not lose sight of how bad that transition defense was. Okay, the good. There was some good. I talked about rebounding. The Wolves, indeed, were a plus 15 on the glass. Anthony Edwards led the team in rebounding with 14. He had eight or nine boards at halftime. And, I I mean, that's got to be close to a career high for Ant. I didn't look that up, but 26 and 14 for Ant in this game. The rebounds were phenomenal. Rudy also had 13 boards. Cat had 10 rebounds himself. Kyle Anderson had nine rebounds in 30 minutes off the bench. Um, and we'll talk more about slow-mo here in a minute, but a really good slow-mo game too, by the way. Nine rebounds for Kyle Anderson. This team had 62 rebounds to Toronto's 47. They kept uh, Jakob Pertl off the offensive glass after that first possession, really. And otherwise, it was really just precious. precious Precious Achua off the bench that they struggle with. Uh, really, that was kind of like a middle of the game, second, third quarter. I feel like they struggle with him the most. So, um, rebound, it was great. The activity level there was very, very good. There were a couple of times that I noticed Conley early in the game. I mean, Conley finished with only four boards, but that's a nice number for him in 31 minutes where he was kind of pinching down after a shot attempt by the Raptors and was actively looking for loose balls and did the same thing. That's where this team lost the most the last couple of years. Like Rudy was still rebounding. Cat was still kind of ish rebounding when he was on the floor. Nas was still rebounding. 
This team was missing guards that knew how to rebound and were interested in rebounding. D'Lo had no interest. Jalen Noel was not a good rebounder. Austin Rivers was allergic to rebounds. Bryn Forbes was actually in the rotation at one point. I'm not sure he ever grabbed a rebound. Um, <laughs> it's it's about situational awareness. It's about effort and uh, knowing where to be and when. And then also just playing hard. And it worked in this game. The Wolves rebounded the basketball very well. It's I did not expect the Wolves to be a, pl- a double-digit plus on the boards and lose this game. But that's what happened. I talked about the early offense uh, when Ant was off the floor, Cat was on the floor. We talked about that already. That was very good to see the Wolves have a few sets they could go to that got Cat open looks, that got Cat in space, the ability to both facilitate and um, to pass. Along with that, we saw one Cat to Rudy pass in pick and roll that was, uh, or no, sorry, that was Ant to Rudy pass uh, in pick and roll that was dynamic. And then third quarter, I think it was, yeah, it was third quarter, uh, the Wolves ran an action at the uh, uh, at the top, Cat ends up with the ball in isolation and gets past his guy because he hit a, you know, I mean, of course teams are going to try and crash in on, on him shooting threes and contest. Cat got into the paint, Pirtle stepped up, he throws a lob to Rudy for an alley-oop. A few possessions later, same play, actually the, uh, the primary action, the initial action was not actually the exact same, but same situation where Cat's coming downhill. Pirtle stays with Rudy and for whatever reason, from about eight feet away, Cat throws a lob off the backboard and Rudy's pinned underneath the backboard by Pirtle and it's a turnover. Cat could have dunked it, laid it in. I don't care what he, he could have done anything except for what he did. And it, it's just Cat making up his mind. Like we see this sometimes where, where towns will telegraph things and just be like, oh, I'm going to do this and not actually react to what the defense is doing. And that's what happened here. Uh, so that was a poor play, but some of that stuff is going to get ironed out, right? And if Rudy and Ant have any chemistry together this year, it's going to be more than what they had last year. And if Cat just simply doesn't make up his mind before the play, then uh, same deal, right? And and um, he obviously has the capability of, of of executing that sort of a play better. Obviously very good to see the quote-unquote big three, and I'm going to try to avoid using that term. Uh, nice to see them all get double-doubles, 26 and 14 for Ant, albeit inefficiently, 19 and 10 for Cat, also inefficiently. 15 and 13 for Rudy. Rudy was probably the Wolves' best all-around player in this game. We'll talk more about that uh, next when we get to studs and duds. And then the last thing is, if you told me this team shot 34% from the field and 26% from three, I would have said there's no chance that they were in this game. And yet they only lost by a bucket, right? I mean, Ant, there's a couple in-and-out three-pointers late in the game from Ant. There were... Um, you know, any game is this way, right? One or two possessions swing the whole thing. They had no business being in this game, shooting for 34% from the field and giving up 34 points in transition, a minus 22 in transition points, fast break points. Uh, they shot or made six less threes. That's 18 less points outside the arc. And they only made up five of those at the free throw line, excuse me, seven of those at the free throw line. So uh, given all those numbers, like how often this year are the Wolves going to shoot 34%? Probably not again. I saw some, I think this was like their worst shooting game in five years or something. It's not likely to happen again. And yet they only lost by three. So like all of what I said that was negative is still true. It doesn't change that. But there's a lot better days ahead for this Wolves offense. There has to be. And that was part of the crux of my argument for the Wolves winning 49 games is the defense will be really good again. The offense isn't going to be worse, right? Well, it was in this game. I don't think it will be long-term. All right, let's close the show here today with individual studs and duds. We'll do that here next. 
Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place a $5 bet, that's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. October is an awesome time for sports. Of course, the NBA is kicked off this week. College basketball around the corner, college football smack dab in the middle of the season. The Gophers with a big upside win over Iowa last weekend. They have a winnable game against Michigan State this week. The Vikings with a big win the other night. Um, and hockey's kicked off too. Baseball World Series, you can bet that over at FanDuel and win total over unders as well. And I've been pushing for over on the 44.5 Wolves win total. The FanDuel app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off your NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, let's close today's show by talking individual studs and duds. And uh, if you're not familiar with the postgame pod, we'll do this the last segment of every Timberwolves game where I will pick, usually, occasionally I'll break my rules, but I try and stick to it. Three studs, the Wolves players who I think the three best Wolves players, in my opinion, and then the worst, usually two Wolves players, in this game, for studs, I have to go with Rudy Gobert. 15 points, 13 rebounds, 4 blocks. I didn't talk at all about blocks earlier. Which, by the way, this whole game was a block party. The Wolves had 9. The Raptors blocked 11 shots in this game. 5 by Scotty Barnes and 3 by OG Ananobi. The Wolves got 4 blocks each from Rudy and Gobert. And also Mike Conley had a block too. But Gobert was genuinely fantastic around the rim. Uh, there were a couple plays early that he was a step slow on, but then he was super active throughout the game, had a couple of steals, and uh, I thought was really good. 15 and 13, 6 of 12 shooting. He had a couple of poor plays, again, mostly in the first half with the ball in his hands where he just turned it over in the open floor. At one point, he just, like, I don't know. It felt like I was, again, I go back to youth basketball. When a big gets the rebound, the coaches in youth basketball are screaming, just hold it, get it to a guard, right? Well, we know Rudy fancies himself being able to dribble in the open floor. That that particular play, the Wolves got the ball back. It was out off the Raptors. I think Barnes stripped it out of bounds. And then um, there was another play a couple possessions later where he didn't just stop, like stop his movement and get the ball to a guard. He tried to throw it to Kyle Anderson on the move and turned it over. Anyway, I, the whole point of this is Rudy actually played really well overall. 15 and 13, four blocks, two steals and assists, six of 12 shooting, Three of five at the line. A good overall Rudy game. Certainly a good debut for the season. Second stud for me is Kyle Anderson. Seven points on three of nine shooting. Not great. However, nine rebounds, five assists, and a steal with only one turnover. And a team best plus 15. A very good night for Kyle Anderson. And uh, if you're a regular listener, you know I always like to have a disclaimer with the plus minus. I don't like single game individual player plus minus. I think it's very misleading. It's usually not useful. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, ah, oh, Towns was a minus one and Edwards was a zero. So Edwards was better in this game. Like, that's not you. That's not how you use that. But when it's this obvious and one guy effectively was playing instead of another, um, like in this case, Kyle Anderson was a plus 15. Nikhil Alexander-Walker was a minus 17. No other Wolves player besides Kyle Anderson was better than a plus three. So nobody even sniffed double digits except for Kyle Anderson was a plus 15 in 30 minutes. Uh, the Wolves only had two players with double-digit negative numbers. Gobert was a minus 11, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker was a minus 17 in this game. Of course, he was starting in place of Jaden McDaniels. I mentioned off the top about McDaniels' absence, but obviously that was a major deal in this game. Um, 
it felt like less of a big deal because the Wolves still held the Raptors under 100 points. Like the problem wasn't the defense, but obviously having another good player in the four would make a positive difference for the Wolves. So all that to say, Kyle Anderson had a good game. Seven, nine, and five with a steal, only one turnover and a plus 15 in 30 minutes was the typical glue that held this thing together. Missed a couple of floaters I think he typically makes. Uh, was dared into an above-the-break three that he probably shouldn't have taken, but um, otherwise, good game for, for slow-mo. My third stud, you know, I, I kind of waffle back and forth on this. I'm still going to go with Carl Anthony Towns. Yes, Ant had the 14 boards. I mean, it's a coin flip between those two. They each had turnover issues. They each had not passing the ball issues. Um, Cat, 19 points on 25 shots is not more efficient than Ant's 26 on 27 shots, but Cat's four blocks were impactful. I actually thought Cat was genuinely good defensively, and that was one of my, until the game ended up as bad offensively as it did, I wanted to talk more about Cat's defense, and actually I'll probably talk about that on Friday. Early in the game, go back and watch, he was being asked to do several different things. At one point, he was guarding, um, he guarded, uh, uh, Scotty Barnes for a while. He guarded, um, he was all over the place that he was in drop coverage. And then he was, um, got, was getting help defense blocks. Like he was just kind of everywhere and really engaged defensively. And then also the passing, especially early was really, really good. He had a couple early assists. He had the one lob in the third quarter to Rudy. I thought that his passing, at least he was looking to pass and I'd rather have him looking to pass and forcing a pass or two a game because he's, he's, at least considering his options, whereas Ant just gets straight tunnel vision. Don't get me wrong. The 14 boards for Ant were great. I just think with the ball in his hands as much as it is, he's got to get more teammates involved. Cat was at least trying to do that, and I thought he was really good defensively as well. So I'm giving Cat the third stud. Duds for this game, I'm going to hand out one and a half duds today. This is opening night, um, and the Wolves only played nine guys. Troy Brown Jr. only played five minutes all in the first half. Did not see the floor in the second half at all, and Chris Finch only used eight players in the second half. Shake Milton was bad in the first half, like really bad. Missed a couple of open threes, bad defensively, a bad turnover, but he was good in the second half. So his first half is a dud. I usually don't do this, but his first half was a dud. Second half was really good. His overall line of four points, four assists, three rebounds, and three steals that looks fine, right? He did shoot just one of five, one of four on threes. He hit a big one late, and he turned it over a couple of times. But um, Shake was good in the second half, bad in the first half. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, rough debut. You know, hope, I'm sure he was wanting to play much better in Canada, of course, being uh, a Canadian. But just two points on one of five shooting in the spot start for Alexander-Walker. 0 of three outside the arc, four rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a turnover. A team-worst Minus 17, just a rough all-around game for Alexander Walker. Just like with the Wolves offense, plenty of better days ahead for Alexander Walker. And uh, he's going to be, I think, a lot more comfortable in that bench role. Now, of course, he started in the playoffs instead of Jaden McDaniels. But, um, like, obviously, starting or off the bench, it's fair to expect him to play better than what he did in this game. Um but the Wolves, like down the stretch, they went with Milton over him uh, just because they wanted more offense. They went with uh, Kyle Anderson over him at times late in the game as well. Um, but expect him to have a much better game on Saturday against Miami. All right. That's all we got for you on this one here today. There's not much more we can say about a 34% from the floor shooting performance from the Wolves. 
Saturday against Miami hopefully will be much different. We'll talk on Friday's show. We'll have the opportunity to preview Saturday's matchup against Jimmy Butler in the Heat. We'll talk about what Miami's done to this point and get you ready for that game on Saturday and then also peek ahead at what's upcoming for the Wolves in the next several days. A big thank you to those that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow on X at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.